there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. It is Advanced Medicine Monday, the medical rewind. We've got Dr. Rashid Batar rejoining us here. He helped me rock the health world through Natural News Radio, and always glad to have you on board, Dr. Batar. Hey, Robert. Great to be here, as always. And, you know, last week, Memorial Day, was a really special broadcast, in my opinion. We we actually got to talk about some pretty phenomenal things and and a much broader perspective on, you know, the things that ail the troops that that are, you know, helping us to stay free. But what about those at home here? We've got to deal with a lot of issues. Sometimes they can be scary the way they're played out in the old mainstream media that they don't understand the things we know to help people. Like, you know, MRSA, the the firemen, there's a story about that. There's E. coli outbreaks in Europe. Maybe they're traveling here. Maybe put some uh, uh, some basic uh, perspective on this so there's no panic anymore. Well, you know, I think uh, a lot of this comes back to some of the global talk- topics we've talked about before, and that's uh, lack of knowledge breeds the fear, and the fear then perpetuates itself and cascades until things are far more detrimental sounding than they really are. And just a little bit of knowledge and will allow a person to become empowered and so they know what they need to do. And some of the solutions that we're talking about are actually – relatively speaking, very simple compared to the monstrosity that they've been created out to be. Yeah, and I don't think in, in any other, let's say if we talk about allopathic medical shows, and certainly they pretty much run the media, this kind of message has not been welcomed unless it's quote-unquote balanced out by some kind of uh, pharmaceutical expert. But we know first and foremost the law of the terrain. You know, it's the terrain that breeds the health or the infection. The infectious agent, yes, it is what it is, but it can only exist in a certain terrain or environment. So already we're looking at life. Sometimes we have to go step back and go, are we talking apples and apples or apples and oranges? I completely agree with you, Robert. This issue with the law of the terrain is something that people really have to understand. It's a concept that is, in my opinion, probably one of the most crucial global concepts for people to comprehend. And it really comes down to, you know, when we're talking about the train in, in the body, we're talking about the gut, the liver, the kidneys, the pH. These are the types of things we're talking about terrain. But one of the analogies that I used to explain this to my patients is if we're looking at uh, the ocean, for instance, and we need to do something inside the ocean, uh, we've, we've got to get this, uh, the great white shark that's a 45-foot, you know, vicious Peter, Peter carnivore. Peter Benchley's Jaws, Steven Spielberg. I mean, this is a big, scary monster. Exactly, exactly. So you can try to go after this thing, you know, and they, in the movie, if you remember, Jaws is a perfect example. You tried everything to try to get this animal. They just, they, you know, they speared it and they try to ignite it and they try to <laughs> bomb it and they try to do everything to it. Well, <clears throat> the easiest way to have dealt with that, that uh, shark is by taking away its terrain. In other words, that shark would not be a menace if it were on a desert yes, or even in uh, on, on, you know, it doesn't even have to be desert. It, and you put it in an aquarium or put it in a swimming pool or what, in fact, you know, just you take it out and put it in a desert, you just put it, take it out and put it on land, that shark is not going to do be able to do anything, okay? I mean, it wouldn't yes. even be able to fight itself against a kitten. So yeah. the point is by changing the terrain, by taking the, the vicious organism, in this particular case, a, a great white shark, out of its environment, it has no opportunity now to do the type of damage that it's normally used to be doing. 
Well, it's kind of like, you know, you, you have a body that is in health, and we do recognize that there is uh, some form of E. coli in the body. There's certainly candida albicans and different strains of candida regularly in the body. There is normally streptococcus bacteria in the throat. But in a healthy terrain, in a healthy body or environment, it is not causing what they call an infection. It just exists there because it exists there. In fact, you know, you take a person and put them on an antibiotic, you take a person and put them on some type of a substance that's going to alter that environment. A perfect example is a woman that starts on antibiotics for a cold, throat infection, for bronchitis, for pneumonia, whatever the case is, and she gets a concomitant yeast infection. Why? Because it threw off the normal bacteria. Like the, the indiscriminate use of the, back, the antibiotic killed not only the bad bacteria that was causing the problem in the lungs or in the throat, it also killed the good bacteria within the vaginal wall that was helping to maintain the balance. Yes, yes, exactly. And then they end up more susceptible to future infections. So it's sort of like in the treatment. I mean, they could be well-intentioned, Dr. Batar. Let's just, I'm not indicting all doctors. You know what we talk about here, or just straight up. But the intentions are almost irrelevant. The fact is, if they don't acknowledge what actually these drugs do, even the antibiotics, as wonderful as they're considered by Western medicine, the fact is because they were never countered. Like for me. My upbringing on allopathic medicine, always having an infection, requiring an antibiotic, and another infection, and another. Never did the, the docs tell my parents about probiotics or the fact that the inflammation to the lining of the gut could be creating other scenarios that led to worse problems, chronic allergies, etc. And so at a certain point, where, where does our responsibility lie? You know, if you're a physician to say, hey, this is what it does. If I'm going to give this to you, I'm also going to have to correct it with this, this, and this, so you'll come through it. You'll be fine. Well, I hate to sound like a broken record, but we've discussed this before. You know, we talked about, in fact, this uh, aspect, uh, I think, even as recently as the last show. But the problem is, I think that physicians, by doing the right thing, have come under the gun. I, I know of a doctor here in North Carolina that was brought up on breaching the standard of care by recommending a probiotic to a patient. In fact, I believe it was a gastroenterologist who recommended a probiotic to one of his patients and was brought up on. Uh, breach of standard uh, of care you're not you've got to be kicked come on no it, i'm serious this is this is the truth this is a number of years ago but this is how absurd it is because if you step out of the box and you try to jeopardize the the status quo they, they're going to try to do something to to defend their turf which is exponentially decreasing i mean this is like you know the the analogy that comes to mind is um you know you see something that's sitting out there in the, in the middle of a lake or in the middle of the ocean and the water is just overlapping and it's just rapidly disintegrating and you see the sand disappearing and it's you know that within another you know couple of minutes that things everything's going to be underwater and I think that's what's happening to the to the pharmaceutical industry and so their their dogs that are out there their hounds of hell that are out there to mandate their um, their whatever their premise is to make sure that anything and everything that could jeopardize their state of being their lives their livelihood their uh, existence must be stopped at any cost. And so they've become more and more absurd, as you know, that any entity in its death struggle, when it approaches its final demise, it'll become even more violent in trying to survive, and then you know it'll disappear. And I think that's what's happening. They're becoming more and more violent, and they're yeah. committing more and more atrocities, and they're, um, they're doing it almost because they know that there's not much else left for them to do. And so they're in their death struggle. That's the yeah. only way I see it. Well, Dr. Pratara, this makes sense based on a, an article I just saw released through Blumberg Business Week. They said pharma needs an innovation intervention, right? It's addicted to patent protection. All these patents are running out. They don't have enough to keep the gravy train rolling, even though they have a monopoly. 
So they're actually liking this to, hey, maybe Big Pharma should learn from Starbucks and Southwest Airlines or maybe even Walmart. If we can pair them up, a Big Pharma Pfizer with Walmart, maybe they do better at selling their drugs. Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree with you. And I actually read that article, too. And, you know, I like the way that that article ended. It said it's uh, it talks about, you know, you have to recognize what the problem is. And it starts by admitting that you have a problem. And uh, <laughs> I thought that was very, very amusing that the yeah. article actually hit the nail right square on top of the head. And, and I hope that somebody starts looking at this because I think the insurance companies and big pharma, the biggest mistake that they've made is realizing, obviously, we know that these are entities that are financially motivated. So we know that they have a financial incentive. And that's why, you know, insurance companies aren't out there to help people with their healthcare needs. You know, I hate to disappoint anybody out there that's listening <laughs> that thinks that that's the case. But, you know, insurance companies are there to make money. And as long as they're making, bringing more revenue from the premiums, they will pay out some of the stuff. But their job is to make money and they will not pay certain things just in order to uh, be more profitable. And the same thing with big pharma. They're out there to make money. They're the, they're the biggest industries on planet Earth, insurance and yeah. uh, pharmaceuticals. But if they understood that this financial mo- model and motivation that they have, if they actually just made this a slight adjustment in their formula and actually did something to help people, they would actually make a difference not only for mankind from a you know a fiduciary obligation standpoint that we've been talking about, yes. but actually from a financial standpoint, they would be much more lucrative well, because I, there's more money to be made that way. Yeah, I agree. And of course, you've seen it, but I think that they are so lost in, in, in what they've created over the last hundred years being in a monopoly where... They could do everything wrong and still be profitable. They could they could maim and kill people and still be fine. No one would go to jail. That they have basically the enforcement arm in government itself. I mean, who would want to give that up? FDA yeah. enforces, FTC enforces. We could all sleep better tonight, Doctor Batar, because the FDA just seized elderberry juice concentrates from a Kansas company. I mean, I barely made it into the studio yesterday until I heard that news and I felt safe. Yeah. It- <laughs> You know, they've done this so many times. I mean, apricot seeds, as you know, amygdala and laetrile, vitamin B17, all different names for the same thing. It's the seed that comes from the apricot. And they have gone back and forth a number of times, um, making it lawful, making it illegal, making it lawful. They've raided health food stores in the 1980s. They actually made it illegal contraband to get apricot seeds and consume them. I mean, apricot seeds, or elderberry in this case, as you're talking about, or for um, I mean, the list goes on and on. This is all palmetto for yeah. um, uh, prostate hypertrophy, benign prostatic hypertrophy, um, yeah. St. John's wort, for just all these different components. Cherries, that, cherries, for goodness sake. You, you yeah. mentioned that there's studies that show a reduction in inflammation and gout and arthritis from cherries. They become an unapproved new drug. We joked about this, that had we sent the FDA after Osama bin Laden claiming that he had a cure for cancer that was unapproved, they'd have found him in 24 hours instead of 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, it is ridiculous. I, I've actually talked about the fact that I'm from stage once, um, giving a presentation in front of a couple thousand people, and we were we were talking about making claims, and and I said that you know, to say that water is good for you is great, but as soon as you say that water cures dehydration, you've <laughs> yes. just made drug uh, w- the water uh, a drug. Yes, and I'm- now you are under the scrutiny of the FDA because you've made a drug claim that water cures dehydration. It's a miracle. It's that absurd. It's a magic wand. I mean, we're all wizards under the FDA that we could just declare something, even if it's scientifically validated and truthful, uh, that suddenly now it's, it's this bizarre new 
category that must be regulated out of existence. And, of course, the people that are actually mentioning it or selling it or making it now criminals on the order of, of a global terrorist. And, of course, uh, you know, obviously joking about feeling safer having elderberry juice, you know, removed from a winery in Kansas. But this is the kind of absurdity that we're dealing with now. And I, and I think, you know, that you said and that, that even the, the, the Blomberg story uh, has really recognized this. And I think that people are seeing now this absurdity and starting to point it out. It's only going to be a matter of time before everybody wakes up to see that the emperor wears no clothes. And that takes a lot to have happen because we've become somewhat fat and lazy on the ease with which we have life going through the 20th into the early 21st century. Things are changing. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of um, McCarthyism in a way. My, I was talking to my parents earlier on today, and they were talking about how two people were talking in a different language, and somebody got scared, and, you know, next thing you know, they were delayed. They weren't allowed to board the flight just because there was a husband and wife talking in, a, in a, their native tongue. And, you know, these type of things that we, we they're breeding more and more fear into people, or trying to, I think. Yes. The difference between back then and now is that they tried it then and it was successful. So everybody, neighbors started, you know, spying on neighbors and everybody was a communist unless otherwise proven. And But I think in today's world, the, the difference is that people are more aware. And I believe that the universal consciousness, as we've discussed before, is becoming more and more aware. Yeah. We are more conscious of what's occurring. Um, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you'd say, you know, certain things, the government's there to protect you. And, you know, people trusted their doctors and everything. Nowadays, you know, you tell a person to trust their doctor for their health. You know, they look at you like you're, are you're you on an acid trip or something. <laughs> yeah, are you crazy? Well, yeah. And, of course, if you take photographs in a, in a transit facility – you know, this has happened. They they confiscate, they arrest you and say, maybe you could be a terrorist just for taking pictures, much yeah. less the story of the weekend. And last week was uh, Adam Kokesh, who was dancing at the Thomas Jefferson Memorial, silently dancing. And he and a few a few other friends were arrested for that because evidently at the place where they honor the uh, one of the founding fathers, the man that wrote the Declaration of Independence, who would have been dancing with them. Now it's illegal to dance there. Yeah, maybe they were maybe they arrested him because they, he was celebrating Thomas Jefferson and his uh, and his wisdom two hundred and some years ago. Maybe that's why they were. Maybe it was a subtle attack on our freedom again. Yeah, well, we gotta we gotta get past this freedom deficiency disease and, and pump up the the healing on all levels. We're gonna do that here. It's Advanced Medicine Monday. We're gonna do some medical rewind next with Doctor Batar. I'm gonna ask him about some of these ailments that we talked about, whether it be infectious disease or cancer. Give you some practical tips, solutions, and even maybe go into a little more depth. Is what is that controversy about those darned apricot kernels that you're not allowed to hoard and eat? We'll be back with more powerful healing on the Robert Scad Bell Show with Dr. Batar on Advanced Medicine Monday after this. Dr. Batar is with us, Advanced Medicine Monday. We're going to rewind some things medically to get to the bottom of the, the controversy. Of course, we know that certain people, certain entities do not like us to be free to know this information. We are not asking permission because no permission here is required. We're doing that which we believe to be our birthright and your birthright in healing. And Dr. Batar is, to, is here to help me along every Monday to get to that level even deeper, even more intensely. And Dr. Batar can't tell you how much you know how much enjoy we get together and do do this together. I enjoy it every Monday. It's uh, I look forward to it, Robert. Now, the issue of we could do infectious disease or cancer, I think these would be fascinating topics. We could do 10 days in a row. We'd never run out of things to say. But, you know, every once in a while, we got to give a little bit of practicality in what to do. You know, the self-help aspect. Not everybody needs to have radical interventions. Of course, when we deal with cancer, it can be much more serious than acute infection, although acute infection can be serious if we don't know what to do as well. But there are things you know, I know, before we would ever need what we'd call allopathic pharmaceutical intervention. Well, you know, this is a topic that 
I think we, it's been some time since we've brought this up, and that is the cause of all pathology, the cause of all disease. Yes. And I'm going to um, step out here and, Robert, talk about the Facts on Toxicity uh, website. Yes, please do. Okay, so the Facts on Toxicity website is factsontoxicity.com. It's a free site. There's no charge for anything. Just go over there and watch those videos. And once you've done with those 10 videos, you will understand the commonality between all chronic disease. I don't care whether it's stroke, heart disease, cancer, arthritis, diabetes, whatever it is, it will explain how all chronic disease work. The fallacy that we have in our modern thought process with the traditional conventional medical model is that we think that heart disease is caused by X and cancer is caused by Y and diabetes is caused by Z. And in actuality, you and I both know that is the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah, let, let me just jump in real quick. I, one of the things that I, I found with, with my mentor in homeopathic medicine, which was so stunning to me, is just what you said. With cardiovascular disease, he said, all right, in simpler times, it may have just been an elevation of uric acid in the body. Now, you say, well, why didn't they get gout? Well, certain body types lend themselves to certain ways of dealing with these things. Some might crystallize in the big toe, and it's gout. Others may have this circulatory system just floating the stuff around, and it creates injuries, inflammations of the arterial lining, creating the same thing. In one person, it could be arthritis. In another, it's cardiovascular disease. So what you're saying here through facts on toxicity is spot on. I mean, the reality is the same causes just result in different diseases based on your body type exactly and and it actually comes down and you can distill it backwards if you go backwards you can actually well no pun intended here with medical rewind but <laughs> if you rewind you know the the cascade of events that took place to cause that disease it will all come back to one event and that event is the same event in every single disease in fact it doesn't even have to be a disease to cause a detriment in one's body. It can be some other things. And in fact, that's what the facts on toxicity is all about. So what is that one, if we're talking about pathology here, what is that one commonality among all chronic diseases? It is oxidative stress. What is oxidative stress? It comes, the word oxidative means from oxygen and stress. Obviously, everybody knows it's causing stress. It's causing a, a, a debilitating cascade of events to take place. So Oxidation or oxidative injury or oxidative stress is synonymous with a reaction in chemistry that we call the reduction reaction, okay? This is no different than rusting. That's all it is. It is the rusting process. So when you cut a banana and it starts to turn brown after a few minutes or you cut an apple and it turns brown after a few minutes, what you are witnessing is a rusting reaction. You are witnessing oxidative injury and it is occurring on our, in our bodies constantly. In fact, if we lived in an oxygen-free environment, we wouldn't have this. This is actually the aging process. You wouldn't have any aging at all if we had an oxygen-free environment. Now, of course, we'd also be dead because <laughs> oxygen, you know, we always get oxygen uh, respiratory. That should have been the inconvenient truth Al Gore forgot to mention. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> without, without oxygen, we can't. It's a double-edged sword. It says yeah. oxygen, without oxygen, we can't live. But with oxygen, we age. And so the point is that if you can reduce the oxidative injury mechanism, and by the way, I'll come, I'll come back to this in a second, but if we can reduce the oxidative injury mechanism, we will actually live longer. And the mechanism of oxidation, if you look at an atom, an atom is positive, has a positive component, which is called the protons, which is in the center. It has neutrons, it has a neutral charge, and of course it has the electrons that are flying around that have a negative charge. So an atom in its stable state has net neutrality. The number of electrons and the number of protons are equal. However, 
if you end up use, losing one of the electrons, you now have a net positive charge, and that net positive charge is where you have a free radical. So when you hear about antioxidants, it's anti meaning again oxidants, oxidative injury, something that is against oxidative injury. So an antioxidant actually donates electrons so that you can end up having a net neutral mm -hmm. uh, atom. But when an atom has a net positive charge, it's trying to find another electron from a surrounding atom to pull away. And as it pulls that electron away, it now causes a chain reaction because now it's taken that electron from the other atom and not caused a net positive charge in that atom. And the cascade, it's just it's like a domino effect. And that is what oxidative injury is. Now, why does a person get heart disease versus cancer? Well, because they have a genetic predisposition for cancer or genetic predisposition for heart disease or whatever the case may be. It's maybe like in autism, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, all these things, they have a genetic predisposition. Doesn't mean you're going to get it. When they right. say it's genetic, that's a load of yeah, yes, manure. Exactly. There's no such thing as a genetic lesion that's causing cancer. I don't care what they show in the scientific studies and they're talking about all the proof that they've got. That is not true. How do we know that? Because you can take an individual, you can do certain things regardless of what their supposed genetic code shows, right. and they will not get the cancer. They will not get the heart disease if you do all certain, certain things right. What, what I'm talking about here is the expression of genotype versus phenotype. Mm -hmm. That is how the environment how the genetic code it relates to the environment. So now what we're talking about is if somebody has a genetic predisposition, that is different than having a gene that defines cancer. Genetic predisposition means that your particular ancestry has become more um, predisposed yeah. to a certain component in the environment that causes them to have this particular type of problem. Autism is a perfect example, as we've talked about before. If you yes. take a child that has autism, you can take the same individual – one is exposed to mercury, one's not exposed to mercury. The one that's not exposed to mercury, same genetic, same everything, they won't get uh, autism. Right. But the one that has been exposed to mercury, their body can't process it, can't get rid of it. So they have a genetic predisposition for the inability to excrete metals, mercury being the most significant one, and so they end up getting the denudation of the neurofibrils and they manifest autism. Right, same right. Thing. And in the homeopathic realm, I mean, Samuel Hahnemann, bless his heart, 200-plus years ago, was so far ahead of his time, he talked about in terms of miasms. These inherited predispositions, they didn't have to manifest, but based on lifestyle or exposures, he recognizes that he saw that this was the roadmap that their body could go down. And it was so stunning because before we had all of this technology and even recognized genes, he was you know, basically relating it in the, in the, in the message or the, the language of the day still is right, has not been dis disproven in exactly in a scientific way that you said it. it's the same darn thing. Absolutely. And, you know, this uh, the, the concept of miasms, when I first understood that, it was, it was amazing because, you know, miasms is going actually even deeper than what I just discussed, Robert. I won't yes. go into that because that may be beyond the realm no, of it's, this it's conversation. No, it's a challenge to talk miasms. I, 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 I'm trepidating here as yeah. I mention it. But <laughs> the fact is there are homeopaths out there. I just learned I interviewed Jesse Benton yesterday on my show. We had a big Ron Paul money bomb for supporting the Dr. Paul. And Jesse Benton, who's his campaign coordinator, his, his mother – is a homeopath. I just learned that. I've, I've talked to Jesse over the years, and that was fascinating to me because I never heard the word homeopathy until I was 24 years of age. I had to uh, relearn history. So I think it's, it's neat when we find there are some lineages that still exist to that lost history. Well, you know, I was at a conference uh, back in, I guess it was last summer in New York. I'd given a lecture, and I was sitting in the audience afterwards, and the next presenter was up there. She started, she, she was given a great presentation, and 
I don't, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I guess I must have asked a question. And I asked about miasms, like, you know, would this affect miasms? And she stopped dead in her track. She looks right at me. Yeah. She looks at the rest of the audience. There's about 250 docs in there, you know? Yes. And, and they're all kind of looking at each other. And she's like, uh, Dr. Trott, can I just talk to you about that afterwards? Yeah, do we so need to I go realized, <laughs> Oh, you're right. And I'll tell you what, for the next 45 minutes of her lecture, people were coming up to me going, what's a miasm? What's yeah. a miasm? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now you opened up that proverbial can of worms. I tell you yeah. what, but that it's cool stuff. I love it, and, and you're right. It, it, it can go so deep that uh, it'd be it'd be very hard to discuss. In fact, I did an interview with somebody on it, and I've, I've shelved the interview until I can figure out how to present it. It is that in depth and that deep. You know, I don't think you know this, Robert, but do you know that we treat miasms with uh, with uh, an IV that we have specifically for miasms? Is it is it homeopathic or is it otherwise? Well, I guess I have to admit it. It has it has it all made be. up of homeopathic, but it's intravenously yeah. uh, given. Very cool. Well, no, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's why you know I can tell the the depths of your knowledge not only from your book, the nine steps to keep the doctor away, but the videos we were talking about that oh, I'd like everybody to view. And I have them linked up at the blog at robertscatbell.com and also in today's news notes through Natural News Radio. If you put your email in there, sign up, you'll get the daily updates. And you can go view the videos, uh, facts on toxicity. So this is, you know, again, this is awesome. The depths to which we can go here at the same time, bringing the heights of healing back where they belong in the hands of the people. So I'm grateful for all your efforts here. Well, Robert, it's uh, a mutual uh, feeling that I have because your efforts to get the information and get the word out there. I talked to my dad today, and uh, it was a quote that I remember that was brought up from a justice, uh, a Supreme Court justice. I can't remember what his name was, but it was something to the extent that uh, in order for uh, evil to perpetuate. The, the only thing that's necessary in order for evil to perpetuate is for good men to stand by and do nothing. So yes. obviously you are doing something. You're taking a proactive approach that many people in your industry are afraid to. Uh, we've deferred to that as journalistic integrity, and I appreciate you for having such a uh, high level of uh, journalistic integrity and bringing the truth without worrying about what the consequences could be. Well, it's a lot more fun to do this, quite honestly. I mean, yes, there are sometimes you can get a little nervous, but it's it, just to tell you the joy that, that you're bringing to people when they realize, aha, that moment, ah, you know, I'm no longer a victim. I don't know. I no longer need to be a victim. That was a major revelation in my life, and I love sparking that in other people. Well, you do a good job of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. We have fun together doing it as well. So we've got you know a lot of healing to do here. We've got another minute in this segment, and then you know maybe we can talk about some of the things we've experienced and utilized for some of these acute infections. Because remember, a lot of the fear, and it's always been a game of fear, particularly to keep people in line and taking vaccines, much less running to the doctor for um, an antibiotic when it, most of the times it's not really necessary, and we could ad- we could address it in so many other ways. I thought that you know you've had a lot of uh, issues, of course people coming to you with these scary infections and you said hey nothing to worry about here we know how to deal with this we don't even have to resort to an antibiotic well i i we can definitely get into that i, I would like to remind people that this facts on toxicity uh, video set was done in order to only spread information so that people can be empowered with the knowledge so they're no, no longer afraid and all i ask in return is that if you find the information to be powerful pass it on to a friend the facts and toxicity will explain exactly what you need to know so that you become empowered with the knowledge so you understand exactly how the disease process works. And then it gives you the seven toxicities to stay away from and what you can do proactively every day to prevent yourself from getting some of these problems. Cool. Well, we'll, we'll establish some more of those as well as go into some things that you can utilize here. It's the Advanced Medicine Monday. We're doing some serious medical rewind with Dr. Rashid Bittar as we do every Monday. A blast as had by all, certainly by me. We'll be right back with more powerful healing after this. Here we go. We're back. Rocking the health world on Advanced Medicine Monday. Dr. Rashid Bittar 
keeps it going with me. Always fascinating. And, and Dr. Batar, of course, we hit some pretty intense issues we may revisit. But I wanted to give some uh, real practical tips based on your experience, my experience we could share in dealing with the fear of acute infectious disease. Because, you know, by and large, whether it's an antibiotic or whether it's a vaccine, isn't it fear that's keeping those that still haven't figured this out in line? I mean, what else is there? Because the science is not on their side. I think that we would be very, very safe by saying that it is the fear that's probably the greatest issue that we have to deal with. I mean, when you start looking at some of the phrases used in the past that uh, Roosevelt said, for instance, uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Yes. You know, the greatest enemy lies. I asked my son this the other day. I said, you know, where does the greatest enemy lie? Who is the greatest enemy? And he said, your, your brain. And I said, that's exactly right. And where is your brain? And he said, inside you. So I said, that's right. The greatest enemy lies where? And he goes, within. And I said, that, well, inside you. And I said, that's right. The greatest enemy lies within. So th- this is kind of going b- back into this aspect. I mean, if people just understand the simple things. And I, I'll tell you, I will use an antibiotic occasionally, but it's very occasional. And it's only because I'm trying to... And most of these antibiotics, by the way, that I do use occasionally, these are, these are people that have already been using a lot of inappropriate medication. And the antibiotics I'm using are old antibiotics like erythromycin or uh, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole that, that people don't really use as much anymore. Now they've got into all the third-generation cephalosporins and all these new exotic, you know, very expensive. Um, and much more dangerous, but, I might add. Uh, absolutely, yeah. without a doubt. But, you know, um, one of the things that a person can do to prevent getting – well – Let's back up for a second. The first thing is that most infections that people get, most infections are viral. They're not bacterial. And then because of the run, the, the immune system is run down by this virus assault, and then you end up taking some kind of bacteria, antibi- antibiotic, yes. the system gets thrown off. And so now you get a secondary bacterial infection on board. In Correct. fact, the fastest way to get a bacterial infection is to have a viral infection, take an antibiotic, and you're going to get a bacterial infection. It, yeah, it literally precipitates it, again, by assaulting and corrupting and polluting the terrain. Exactly. Exactly. So one simple thing to do is just wash your hands. Frequently wash your hands. And we're, not, and we're not, by the way, talking about these antibacterial soaps. I mean, it's not necessary, and a lot of those are creating resistant strains as well. Yeah, in fact, in my office, they've got, you know, my staff has that stuff that you can just kind of squeeze on your hands and wipe it. I tell them, just use soap and water, for God's <laughs> sake. What do you guys got this stuff here for? Yes. You know, I mean, it, honestly, it's because you're killing, you don't want to, certain bacteria is very beneficial, and it keeps the bad bacteria that causes disease at bay. Correct. But when you take some of these these special soaps and this and that, it kills everything, kills all the bad bacteria or most of the bad bacteria, but it also kills the good bacteria. And then whatever does survive, it mutates and adapts. So now what you get is something that is a super bug, like the methyl-resistant Staph aureus, th- those type of things that the system isn't designed to really deal with. Yeah, so exactly. Just just a simple thing is just to wash your hands. I mean, that's a very, very basic, basic principle. But more than that, I mean, look, Robert, why didn't you talk about the aqua silver? I mean, that to me is probably one of the best natural defense mechanisms that, that we do have. And in fact, there's all sorts of different things like this sure. that we can talk about. Well, exactly. And I think it's very important to do so because it's quite empowering. But it's like that, you know, the FDA will target people that actually make it and sell it. But here we're not selling anything, so we can talk more freely about the science of it. You know, thousands of years of recorded history utilizing a humble trace mineral, an element known as silver, not a toxic metal like mercury. Uh, we know that so much about it. But in this context, we know the pathway so much more about the ability to basically disrupt the metabolic and respiratory pathways of these so-called lower life forms, these microbes, these bacteria. 
So if you ever find yourself in a situation like this, you could utilize silver. I used the silver hydrosol form with great success. I used it with my son who was chewing on his nails to the point that he got Staphylococcus aureus infections, pretty severe. At one point, we were a little bit nervous. We started seeing the lines starting to develop from his toes up to his legs. But, uh, you know, my wife and I know what to do, and we were hitting it with homeopathic hypersulfur calcarea. We were doing liver drainage remedies. We did lots of silver. We got him through it in, in about 24, 36 hours. Uh, it wasn't fun, but it taught him in a very important lesson about hygiene as well. And so, you know, that's one element among many, and, and there are certainly sulfur-based type uh, allicin-stabilized garlics uh, and other things that can help. We talked about elderberry, which was hijacked by FDA recently. A lot of things that will either boost immunity, modulate immunity, or sometimes in the case of silver, also directly attack the so-called bad guys. I have a formula that we use in our office called the cold and flu pack, and it actually has elderberry in it. Mm-hmm. It has echinacea in it. Uh, it has um, four or five different components, and you kind of put them all together, you take it. And honestly, I have never had any single person that's used that when they've got a scratchy throat or, you know, the onset of a cold coming on, they get in the stuffy ears, the sneezing and such, and they start taking these things that take two or three packs in a day or two days. It is gone. I mean, it's just yeah. gone. They just don't have, they don't have, to, deal, they have to deal with it. Quite there are a lot of herbs out there. You know, yes. uh, cat's claw is another perfect example. Noni, uh, some of the extracts from noni, um, very, very powerful antiviral, antibacterial some of these even have an antispirochete component to it, and they are great, great natural substances that people can use on a long-term basis. So you don't have to worry about building up an immunity, this, that, or the other. I, in fact, right. uh, have a protocol called CBNS that we use for our children when, they're, when we're treating children with autism and, and other, other types of uh, developmental delays where people's systems have been assaulted with, um, with the mercury and with the toxicity issue, so we know their immune system has been challenged, not just developmental delays, but even people that have uh, chronic toxicity uh, from, uh, that, that are adults, but we know that their immune systems are challenged, and we use a CBNS protocol, and one of the things that people have reported to me that their child that used to have all these problems, recurrent ear infections, recurrent throat infections, and all the time, you know, running nose and this and that, it's alleviated it, they don't have an issue with this anymore, and now all of a sudden they're eating you know, their, their diet hasn't really significantly changed, but they're eating reasonably consistently compared to what they were doing before. But they're thriving in the sense that they're gaining weight and they're gaining height. And the parents don't understand. They're not. <laughs> it's not like they're, they're eating anymore or anything. And eventually, you know, six months, a year later, then their appetites increase too. And then they really take off. But it's an amazing thing when you see somebody who's toxic and you, their immune system's burden and you alleviate that burden a little bit. Yes. Um, I've had people ask me, can my, my child's, you know, can my other child take this? Because my, both my children have this, all this problem with the infections, this, that, the other, all the time recurrent. And now the child that's getting treated doesn't have the problem, but my other child does. Can I still use, can I use this in my other child without any problem? And I say, yeah, absolutely use it. Yeah. In fact, use it yourself. And then they, the whole family starts using it and people love it because they never get a cold anymore. Right. Well, we're, we're talking about reducing the burden on the immune system simply yep. by utilizing appropriate substance that don't, don't stress it, literally reduce that burden. So the body cells then convert back into, as Bruce Lipton talked about, growth and healing as opposed to the fight-or-flight mentality of protection. And the cells are freed up to do the healing. Suddenly that energy is just unleashed in the body, and then you can go into growth, just like you described with these children. And the thing is that these substances we're talking about, they are selective. In other words, they are only going after the substances that cause pathology. They're not just going indiscriminately in wiping out the whole Right. Terrain. And, uh, you know, you talk about the terrain again. Yes. Remember that there's bad bacteria and there's good bacteria. In fact, without good bacteria, we could not live. 
we have endogenous bacteria within our guts that allow us to digest the food and absorb the food. If we didn't have those bacteria in our stomachs, we would not be able to live. So when you take an antibiotic, it kills everything. It doesn't say, are you a good guy? Are you a bad guy? It says, hey, you are a guy. You are dead. And it wipes everything out. Yes, carpet what we bomb. Need is, we need something that's selective. That's something that says, okay, this is something body needs. This is something that the body doesn't need. And that's what these natural substances do. They allow the body's innate ability and it accentuates its body's innate inability to heal itself. Yeah, exactly. I saw a study recently, and you might know of it, but I, I apologize, I don't have it in front of me, but where they had talked about uh, kids that had, they had removed the tonsils, they had removed the appendix, and they had uh, more problems, more chronic diseases than those who those those body parts were kept intact as well. And we talk about you know nature, God didn't make mistakes by giving us those body parts, so why do we just, if they're inflamed, just get rid of them you know, outside of an extreme emergency? Yeah, it's absolutely absurd how we just take out body parts and just, you know, when in doubt, cut it out and heal with steel was our mentality, our, our, our words that we lived by in general surgery when I was a resident in general surgery. And more and more, the truth sets in. And now I understand the words in uh, Sabiston's textbook of surgery, which is the Bible uh, for surgery, for general surgery. You know, it's, I don't know, a couple thousand page book. In the opening chapter, it talks about how surgery is the ultimate admission of failure. Right. And I didn't understand when I read that. And I wondered why, you know, our our attendings didn't talk more about that, but I mean, the good attendings did, but essentially surgery should be the last resort. And many times it's not the last resort. And I think we've talked about this before. They did a study where they looked at the incidence of diseases that could be corrected by surgery and the mortality rate. And they found that in in the UK compared to the uh, Canadian people, the, the Canadians do twice as much surgery than the United Kingdom people and the U.S. population undergoes surgery four times as much as the U.K. people. So in other words, UK UK does half the surgeries that Canada does and Canada does half the surgeries that the U.S. does. And yet the, the death rate from these disease processes that can be corrected by surgery is exactly the same. And so if that's the truth, if it's exactly the same death rate and yet we do four times as many surgeries as the, as the U.K., then what are we doing the surgeries for? And, you know, the, the, the answer that came back to me when I was told about this study was like, well, you know, the U.S. surgeons have to make their Mercedes payments yeah. like everybody else. They're not making their money unless they're cutting. I mean, that's when you go to a surgeon for advice. I mean, that's their bottom line. So, yeah, you know, this is almost what's occurring to me. We, we mentioned miasms. I'm thinking we've got some serious miasmic abnormalities or something expressing itself through the, the medical profession, much less the people of America, that they would subject themselves to this. I'm thinking it'd be cool to do some kind of intensive on miasms, even though it's tough to do on radio. But if you can get people alone and really work with them intensely, it might be possible to help them through these emotional things that are setting us up for this kind of strange, aberrant, aberrant uh, medical behavior. Well, Robert, um, actually, uh, you're thinking right along my own lines, too. Uh, we are planning on starting um, a, a retreat that, well, actually, it's way beyond planning. I mean, it's already... It's already ready now. I've been working on this for uh, about two years. I think you even – I remember I showed you pictures of a place and the whole idea was to ad- address these issues with the fifth toxicity, the emotional psychological aspects. Yes, and, yes. Um, so it's it's actually all come to fruition. I'm, I'm actually going to probably starting off maybe once every two months have a session. It will be limited to eight people. I'm going to be living and breathing with these people for eight days – I'm sorry, for seven days. Okay. Um, my, my wife will be with me, and then there'll be eight people. Obviously, it's going to be pretty expensive, but it's going to be an exclusive thing 
all food is going to be organic. Oh, wait, wait. Stand by. You're making me hungry. we got to take a quick break here. We're going to wrap up the Advanced Medicine Monday, do some medical rewind. I want to hear more about the plans for this intense retreat. Maybe it's speaking to some of you out there in the audience listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show today. We'll come right back with Dr. Batar. find out more about that after this. Robert Scott, the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Wrapping up this week's Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Bittar. And I tell you what, we stumbled onto something, I, even though we can't go in-depth in it, the fact that you're thinking along the lines of doing like a one-week intensive with people that goes into the emotional toxicity, the miasmic stuff. I mean, this is some serious not only health change, but life transformation you're talking. Uh, it is. It's going to be, for some people, it is literally going to change their life. In fact, I'm going to do a a mini version of this, but it won't be directly with me. It'll be about an eight-week to me. Uh, it's probably going to be about an eight-week program. They'll be dealing with one of my staff members, or we're going to have certain people going to be trained. And it's going to be it's, – it's so powerful that I'm going to have a money-back guarantee after the first three weeks that if a person doesn't start seeing the changes within the first three to four weeks, they can get all their money back. And, you know, in medicine, we don't do that, but I'm doing that <laughs> in this because I believe this emotional aspect is so crucial. But the, but the retreat aspect, which is going to be – well, I'm going to be dealing with these people myself – it is going to be something like uh, – I've been part of some of these masterminds before. It's going to be taking that and taking it to the next realm, Robert, and I'm, I'm so excited about it. Unfortunately, it does not allow for a lot of people because it's going to be limited to only eight people every two months. But you know, one of the best ways of learning something that I've found is by teaching it. Sure. And I have gone through this – I mean my whole last six years of my life, it's basically – with all my own rituals that I do in the morning from my breathing exercises and the workout to you know the thought process and, and identifying let, how, how do things enter my head and how do they exit my head? How do they enter <laughs> my patient's head and how do they exit the patient's head? Yeah. You know, when dealing with cancer, this is a very important thing. It's what they believe. It's what they see. Is it, are they seeing it as empowering or are they seeing this as limiting? Are they seeing it as a glass half full half or is it glass half empty? And, and you know, we hear these words, but in actuality, how to manipulate and change that because it's an all illusion. Fear is nothing more than an illusion. And yet right. we are motivated and the vast majority of the population on this planet is motivated by fear. And that's why we are living in this fear-ridden society that is basically an illusion. And so to take eight people and to be able to transform them, that is in actuality for me personally, it's going to make me hone my game in even better and allow me to find those weak spots that I need for myself. I'm kind of doing sure. it from a selfish perspective, but I've also <laughs> seen, you know, I mean, so we, we always do something for a selfish perspective. But what I've also seen is that as I teach, um, I really now have, have to take my game to the next level and hopefully take some of these people with me to that next level. And I'm really excited about it because literally, if you can imagine being in the, one of the most beautiful places in the planet, Yes. And you've seen some of the pictures of this place. Oh, it's uh, gorgeous. You know, and just be, there's nothing there. I mean, nothing else except for these eight people, our chef, you know, uh, one or two people that are going to be taking care of uh, all our needs and just seven days of intense sessions. But people got to be prepared because it's going to be probably 12 to 14 hours a day because uh, that's that's how my life is. So that's they're going to be basically living my life with me. Yeah. But it's in funny. Just it, it, in contemplative and I mean, in other words, you're not going to be seeing patients with me and all that other kind of stuff. Right. But really spending seven days on how to change your whole system from from deep within all the way. I mean, we're talking about the medical aspect, the emotional aspect, the psychological aspect, the toxicity aspect, 
the, the, the belief aspect, you know, financial aspect, every spiritual aspect. I'm talking about the whole thing. Well, it, it person wants me, to go. Dr. Batar, it kind of reminds me of that movie, that Vince Vaughn movie from recently. I think it was called Couples Retreat. Where they went on because one of the the couples, wanted, you remember that? And they, they were like, "Oh, we're gonna have the greatest time. We're gonna just sit in the lounge and drink." And it's like, "No, no, no!" They got there, they had to work, right? That's it is going to be like that. I actually just saw that movie about a couple of weeks ago with my wife. So yeah, I know exactly which movie you're talking. By about. the way, the funniest thing at the end of the, of the movie after the credits, they actually talked about the Federal Reserve as they're as they're out there uh, peeing in the bushes. I just thought that was hilarious. So Vince Vaughn is obviously aware of the real danger to our culture: the destruction <laughs> of the economy. Anyway, well, that's fascinating. And, and by the way, you know, obviously this may speak to some people, some not, but I've also found, Dr. Batar, by helping people in this way, you transform yourself. So it is selfish. I mean, I love helping people because it does help me. It makes me feel better. It makes me, you know, literally, it opens my consciousness up to new things so that I can, uh, you know, be here to do what I'm here to do. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, I remember the first time that I taught an ATLS course, an Advanced Trauma Life Support course. I realized that I really had to know my stuff because when you're up there and somebody asks you a question, you can't flub your way through it. You know, I mean, you right. got to be able to you, you got to have to really know your material. And and in this particular realm that we're talking about, it's not material that I'm learning from a book. I mean, it's something that I've lived through or that I've seen my patients live through. And so to be able to share that now on an on a intimate level, it's something that the next challenge is going to be how to get this out to the masses and not, you know, limited just eight people. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. it's almost like you have to live through it. You have to actually sure. experience it. You can't just talk about it, read about it, or watch a video or or understand it. You actually have to experience it, and that's what this is. It's taking person to that experience level. Well, as it always happens, if you're touched and transformed, you can't help but do the same to other people uh, just by who you are. You're, you're literally your state will out will be out there energetically, and other people will feel it, sense it, and they will be changed for the better as well. So it's got to start somewhere. It starts small, but then it, it mushrooms out, or however you want to say it. Out from there. Now we have all the links to you and your book, the nine steps to keep the the doctor away, uh, medicalrewind.com as well. Is there a specific way? Let's say. Somebody out there in our worldwide audience hears this possibility for them. They say, gee, I really think that's for me. What will they do? What next step should they take to contact you or someone that can help them? Well, Robert, I'll tell you what. Because we haven't really planned this out, have them just send an email to info at drbutar.com. And in the subject, they can put down retreat. And okay. let's, let's start off with that. But, you know, I just got a great idea after you just said what you said. Okay. I may just make the first retreat only – in fact, I'm going to do this. I, I've already had two of my patients that are that have you know been they're, they're already a year and a half out from their prognosis from you know when they were supposed to have been dead uh, from stage four cancer and they're doing great. I think I may just do the first retreat with just my pick eight of my patients that are all beyond their um, lifespan. Supposedly they're all supposed to have been left have left the planet already. Yes. I'm going to do that with my first eight patients. Because they'll help me hone my game, obviously. And sure. People have already lived through it, too. So that might be actually what we do, and then we'll do the next one. We'll open it up for everybody else. Well, that would be cool. So we'll have that link as well of those that want to email Dr. Batar about this, put the subject matter retreat. But eventually it'll come around if it's, you know, again, these things speak to di people differently. We recognize that. And whatever, you know, seeds we can plant to restore healing back to where it belongs, bringing the power to heal back to the people, uh, that's what we do here on Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Batar doing some serious medical rewind. We've done it again. Well, Robert, it's always one of those things that uh, we never know where, like you said, we never know where we're going to go, but we always end up in a good place. Yeah, absolutely. And next week, it'll be following up on the Health Freedom Expo in Chicago, Schaumburg, Illinois. I'll be there, and we'll have the Medical Rewind set up for you as well. 
Thank you, Dr. Batar. We've got lots more healing to do. And as always, we remind you every day on the Robert Scott Bell Show that the power to heal is yours. <laughs>